Hey, welcome back to Pitching Hockey. This is Chris, and today's co-host, Sebastian. Hello, hello. And you know us, we're just a goal and a goon that have taken one too many pucks or fists to the head and do not claim to be hockey experts, but simply overzealous hockey fans that love to play, watch, read, and talk about hockey. Seabass, how goes it, man? Ah, pretty good over here. You know, I had some some big news in, in our organization this week. Our uh, our junior A assistant GM and, and GM of our U18 team actually uh, accepted a job with the Manitoba Moose as a, a video coach. Wow. So, uh, you know, congratulations to Alex. Um, that's uh, exciting news. And yeah, and, he, and he's making the step into to professional. So um, obviously that's a dream he's been chasing for a while and to finally reach it. I mean, we're super happy for him. Um, and then it kind of just, you know, as our GM left, it kind of, fell on to me to to take on the GM duties for our U18 team as well. So um, a, a busy season just got a little busier, but I'm super excited for the opportunity. No, dude, congratulations. That's huge news. I mean, that's a <laughs> – dude, your life is filling out right now. So when do you plan on sleeping? Um, well, with, you know, a newborn coming in October, season starting in September, both GM and head coach role, um, I'm thinking like 2027 might be a good time to get a couple hours. <laughs> Yeah, when they, when you send him off to kindergarten. Yeah, exactly. You know, he, he goes to half half day kindergarten. I go to half day nap. So it it is what it is. But no, I mean it's super exciting. I mean, obviously it's been something I've been working for, and, and you know had to have a super supportive wife like Haley, who's kind of was like, hey, like it's an opportunity to jump on it. Um, it, it's going to be a ton of fun. It's going to be a ton of stress. It's going to be lots of sleepless nights. It's going to be a lot of sleeping days. Uh, but we're super excited. I mean, it's it's all positive. Um, I mean, we're, we're, it's kind of a you know, people say blessed, which is true. You know, kind of blessed to get this opportunity to to be a head coach and a GM and kind of have both those roles. And obviously, it helps a lot with you know the resume as well. It's kind of helps me kind of learn new new positions and you know obviously having our first child, you know, a lot to learn there. So you know, I can joke and complain about it, but at the end of the day, it's it's all positive. Um, what's new with you? Uh, well, I don't know if you can hear the rain. I had to mute myself because the rain was coming down pretty heavily above me. And it, like I said, we're in a European apartment on the top floor. So we have all these skylights and I'm sitting underneath one of them right now while the like it's just I ran home to get to this podcast because I was trying to get my uh, co-worker set up uh, to work the week I'm hiking in Norway. And we'll see how that goes because she's already lost her keys and I gave her mine. So, yeah, we'll see how that goes. But, yeah, can you hear the rain or is it just me? Oh, no, we can definitely hear it, But, you know, it's kind of like a relaxing. It's like there's one of those waterfalls <laughs> in the background. We're just here to, you know, we talk about stress. We're just here to remove your stress. Well, that's great. So does the rain, honestly, because it's really, like, I'm glad I just missed this. It started to tinkle as I was running in the door and then, you know, I had to run up the stairs because we don't have elevators here and I'm on the fifth floor. So I missed this. And am I glad because I was definitely not. You should always have a raincoat with here in Denmark, and I carry one a quarter of the time. So I have learned my lesson multiple times, yet I still don't carry a raincoat. I don't know. Yeah, that's still afraid. It's a little rain. <laughs> Might be nice to get cooled off once in a while. Yeah, yeah, it, it is actually nice to get cooled off, you know, once in a while. And I think that leads us perfectly into the 2012 NHL entry draft, which is the discussion of this podcast and talking about. And then it's your draft that needed to maybe be cooled off a bit. People look back at this draft now and they have a lot of criticisms. And obviously there are a lot of criticisms of, of this draft. But you and I wanted to really discuss if we were the GMs, what would be our top 10? We started digging and we knew this had to be an episode. 
you know, and for this, I know on my side, I went kind of in my mind, best player available. Um, didn't really dig back and to see what teams really needed. I just kind of went with, with my mindset is, is best player available. That's what you need. Um, yep. But um, I mean, just, just really quickly, um, let me just kind of run through um, one to 10 and the way it was drafted originally. Obviously at number one, you know, uh, it was Nail Yakupov, two, Ryan Murray, three, Alex Galchenyak, four, Griffin Reinhardt, five, Morgan Riley, six, Hanfis Limholm, seven, Matt Dumba, eight, Derek Pouliot, nine, Jacob Truba, and ten, Slater Cuckoo. And let me tell you, you're not going to hear a lot of those names in my top ten. No, 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 no. And I think we'll do a quick roundup of the, the top 15, too, because at 11, we had Philip Forsberg. And at 12, we had Mikhail Gregranko. At 13, we had Radek Fosca. At 14, Zegmus Gergensens. And at 15, Cody Cece. And uh, I know we really – you start looking at this list and you're like, okay, who would I actually pick? And let's just do a quick without really a description. And that might, it might I don't know, trigger some conversation here. But do you want to go 1 through 10, It'll go route in that way, or do you want to go 15 down to 1? And with the 15 through 11 being kind of short. Let's go – you know, let's do 15 down to 1 because I, I went down to 15 and I've got a couple guys who people are probably going to be like urinated for picking this guy, but I've got my reasons. Okay, all right. Let's go to number 15. Originally picked by the Ottawa Senators, it was Cody Cece. At number 15, who do the Ottawa Senators select? Uh, for, for me in here, in, in my mind, kind of going through, uh, I here I think would have been Jonas Corposalo, uh, goaltender. Um, big body, great goalie. Um, again, like I said, I went best player available, and I think i actually be a good fit for Ottawa at that time as well. It probably would have been a pretty solid uh, pick up for Ottawa at that time is there's been a few struggles, but eh, you, you guys have recovered. At number 15, I would have actually picked for Ottawa Damon Severson. He was picked in the second round, 60th overall. You see the what he's been able to do on the ice, and I would bump him way up to the first round, and I put him at 15th, and he'd be going to Ottawa and not uh, not who do you go to Jersey or something? I'm not. Yes, yeah, so he went to Jersey, right? Because he still yeah, he went to Jersey, Jersey at yeah. 60, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I picked Damon Severson. So, number 14, the Buffalo Sabres picked Zegmus Gergensens. Who do you pick at number 14? So, for me, and this is kind of one where people are probably be like, what are you talking about? But at 14, I have Connor Brown. Um, he's just been consistent. He hasn't been the best player, but he's been far, far, far from the worst. Um, he's had a lot of success in Toronto, had a lot of success in, in Ottawa, and I hope he continues his success in Washington, though. Okay, all right. I, I went with Hampus Lindholm who, if you recall, <laughs> was one of the guys who was picked in the top 10. He was actually picked six overall originally. He's not, I mean, he's, he's solid. He is still actually quite a solid player. I definitely think he's still a first rounder. And I think uh, the Buffalo Sabres had picked, considering the draft, we did really good with Gergensen. He's still a Buffalo Sabre. They absolutely love him within the organization. But if I'm repicking, I would have grabbed Hampus Lindholm. Yeah, I mean that, like you said, uh, Gergensen's been, or, or sorry, um, yeah, Gergensen's been a, a great player. Um, you know, has been there for you know since the draft and hasn't hurt. Again, it's kind of like like I said with Connor with uh, Connor Brown, he hasn't been the greatest player, but he's definitely not hurt the team. But again, Lindholm would be an, an excellent draft pick there as well. Yeah, Gergensen's by far is probably one of the hardest workers in the Buffalo Sabres organization, and he's been rewarded for that. So at number thirteen, the Dallas Stars picked Radek Foxa. Who do you have Dallas picking at number 13? 
So I have here Josh Anderson, and people would be like, well, you know, Josh Anderson. But when Josh Anderson is on his game and he's not injured, he's actually been one of the best power forwards in the game, can just take over a game. Given the inconsistency, I have him down at 13 and not in the top 10, but I still will take him here at 13 for the Stars. All right. At number 13, I actually have the Dallas Stars selecting Linus Allmark. He was a longtime Buffalo Sabre. I think he's underrated. Obviously, Boston picked him up, and he's a fantastic goalie. And you consider the goalies in this draft, and you will hear several more from me because I'm a goalie. I definitely think he deserved to be a first-round pick and not a sixth-round pick at 163. If I was Dallas, I would have grabbed Linus Allmark. Number 12, man, who do you have Buffalo taking instead of Mikhail Gagrenko? So uh, this to me, um, I think he was drafted, I think it was a third round, maybe second round. Um, I'd have to look it up for sure. But Adam Pellick, just been a solid, consistent D-man. And I think that's something definitely, you know, again, I say I want best player available. But I think this is a perfect fit that would have been for Buffalo as well, especially now. Yeah, considering the D we've picked up since, I think it would have been a, a probably pretty excellent pickup. Uh, number 12, I actually would have had Buffalo picking Colton Pareko. He went third round, 87th overall, um, and he's been a performer, man, for St. Louis. He puts up the numbers. He's a solid player. I think he really helped light it up during that Stanley Cup run. I would have, I would have picked Colton, man. Dead set, 100%. Yeah, and I mean, that, that would have been – an excellent choice as well. I mean, just a, another defender who's just been consistent. A hundred percent. All right. Number 11, before we get into the sexy top 10 at number 11, the Washington Capitals selected Philip Forsberg. Who do you have the Washington Capitals selecting? So for the Capitals here, again, I went best player available, but I think at the time could have fit as well. And I went with Freddie Anderson. Um, Freddie Anderson's been solid. Um, you know, he kind of got the short stick in, in Toronto, but I think he also carried that team for quite a while. And then that team wasn't able to kind of give him a little help when he needed it. But I, I think Fred Anderson with a team like Washington uh, would have been a great fit. I think you nailed it because I also selected Freddie Anderson <laughs> at number 11. I think Washington and Anderson would have worked out incredible. Being here in Denmark, dealing with its rain, um, I don't know if you heard the thunder there, but, uh, you know, Freddie Anderson would have been a great Danish sensation right there in the ice. I think he would have been a, a great fit for the Washington Capitals organization. But, you know, such is life. Now we move into the big top 10. This is what people want to hear. We wanted to round out our 15 because we knew we'd hear some names. It's awesome. We both selected Freddie Anderson at 11th. But Tampa Bay Lightning at 10th selected Slater Cuckoo. Cuckoo. Did he play in the NHL? Yeah, I, I think, and don't get me wrong, actually, hold on, I've got his stats right here, so I can pull up live. I don't know his name, this. man. <laughs> I think Slater Cuckoo currently or was playing for the Edmonton Oilers, and he was. So he played 19 games for the Oilers this year and played two games in their AHL team. Okay, so he's an up-and-down guy. But he, was, he went 10th overall, and he was picked up by the Tampa Bay Lightning. Who do you pick up, if you're the, if you're the Tampa Bay Lightning now, who do you pick up at 10th? Uh, at 10, and this is a defender that I think would have fit perfectly in their team now. Uh, a defender who I think was picked in, in, in the right spot in the top 10 originally. Uh, but just for some reason, the Minnesota Wild never really let him build on with adding you know, some, some good D partners and then adding on to the team. And I have uh, Matt Dumba here. Um, I think he's a, you know, a, a good leader. He's been a leader on that team for a while. Uh, he's got a great shot. He's physical. Um, I think this would be a perfect defenseman, actually, for what you know the Lightning have done. 
Yeah, I really, really like Matt Dumba. He's a little bit higher on my list. I think he would have been a great selection. I think he even should have gone higher than seventh, in my personal opinion. At tenth, I'm going to say a name that most people hate, unless you're a Washington Capitals fan. And even for Washington Capitals fans, you kind of really still kind of hate him. I would pick Tom Wilson. Yes, we all know what we think of Tom Wilson. I'm a Caps fan. They're my side, you know, they're my side team. You know what I'm saying? They're my side team. So I don't like him. I'm just happy he's a he's a Washington Capital. Uh, but looking at this draft, 100% with the points he puts up, with the number, like his whole all around, you know, if he could control his emotions, he would be one of the best, roughest, toughest guys guys in the NHL just going to be a little bit smarter but 100% for me he's a top 10 player in this draft so for me Tom Wilson goes to the Tampa Bay Lightning at number 10 yeah and that would have been a really good fit and the reason why I didn't pick him there is because I actually have him going higher again nope. and, uh, and I'll talk about it you know like you said yeah he's he's a personality but I'll go into kind of some stats here once I get to him very cool. So, man, number nine, the Winnipeg Jets had picked Jacob Truba. Excellent, excellent defender. Who would you have Winnipeg picking up now at number nine? I actually think Winnipeg nailed us picking Jacob Truba. I think they need him now, even though they've traded him away. Um, just a guy who hits like a Mack truck, a guy who shoots in the point, uh, you know, a guy not afraid to stir it up. Kind of, kind of, you know, really kind of a defenseman you want on your team. Um, I think it was a mistake for them to trade him away. But uh, if they had to do it all over again, I think they'd pick Jacob Truba. Yeah, I, I agree that I think they actually stole Jacob in this position because he's higher on my list. Uh, since he was unavailable by the time I hit the ninth position, I would have them been picking up Jacob Slavin. You know, again, another great uh, another great guy there. I think Slavin would have been a perfect fit uh, with Truba not being available at number nine. And uh, I that's where I have Slavin landed, man. I think uh, with him being unavailable, in my opinion – uh, Slevin was the next best available position in this draft. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I have to agree with you because at number eight, <laughs> I actually have Pittsburgh taking Jakob Slavin. Um, and I think, you know, he's just, he's been consistent. Um, you know, he's yeah. a defenseman that, you know, if I was a GM in the NHL, I'd definitely want a guy like that on my blue line. Doesn't really cause any drama, just does his job. Um, you don't see his name in the headlines for, you know, dirty hits and all that kind of stuff. Just a solid mm-hmm. D-man. Um, you know, anytime I've seen any interviews like that, just seems like a solid person as well. So, um, yeah, number eight um, for the Penguins making all those cup runs. I'm sure Jakob Slavin would have been perfect on that blue line. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is a guy that went fourth round. Fourth round, 120th. And, I mean, he makes my top 10. And, and it's Wilson. Wilson went 16th, so he was still a highly toted prospect. But... I th- you know, he just should have gone a little bit higher. Now, for me at eight, Pittsburgh would have picked up Tivo Teravainen. Uh, he went 18th originally. Awesome forward. You know, puts up the good numbers. And again, in this draft, in my opinion, he is definitely a, a guy I'd want on my team. And if he's available at eighth, I'm picking him up. Yeah, absolutely. And um, again, I'm just going to have to jump right into it since he's still my guy. <laughs> at seven, I've got Minnesota picking Teravine. And again, just a, just a solid forward. Um, you know, does does all the little things right. Again, any interviews I've ever seen, you know, just seems like a stand-up guy and teammates seem to all really like him. Um, I think he actually would have been a perfect fit for the Minnesota Wild if they would have continued building. And uh, I've got him at seven. <laughs> I like how that went there. Um, well, at seven originally... The Minnesota Wild went with Matt Dumba, but in my draft, he was unavailable at this point. So Minnesota picks up Connor Hallibuck. 
what else can you say about Hellebuck? One of the best goalies in the league. He's one of Vezina. Excellent. Like, he is the reason that Winnipeg wins a lot of the games that they don't deserve to win. And uh, originally he went 130th, fifth round. For me, he's a top seven talent, Connor Hellebuck. Insane, dude. Again, a fifth round pick is an absolute steal for Hellebuck, especially in today's. Oh, man. You know, I mean, uh, but again, that I think that would have helped out the Wild tremendously at this time. 100%. So at number six, dude, Anaheim had Hampus Lindholm originally at sixth place. Who would you pick if you were Anaheim at sixth? So at six, who I'd pick? I'd pick a guy who's played 647 games in the NHL. Uh, he's got 115 goals, 158 penalty, uh, sorry, 158 assists. Which, you know, in 647, it gives him 273 points. Yes, he's got 1,221 penalty minutes, but, you know, for the most time, he's just destroying <laughs> teams and, you know, destroying fan bases and making people lose their mind. And that's, that's Tom right. Wilson. Yeah, yeah exactly. I, I honestly, like, yes, like, like you said, Tom Wilson is a pain in the butt. Uh, Tom Wilson has done some questionable things here and there. But at the end of the day, if Tom Wilson just plays this game, he's an absolute stud. Um, he's shown it. I mean, he's, I mean, if you look at, Let's go from basically 2017, 2018, 2022. He's put up 1935, 40, 44, 33, and 52 points. That's the kind of guy I would absolutely love on my team, you know, minus some of the antics. So here I've got the Ducks going Tom Wilson. Yeah, and I, I'm not surprised by that. I really went through this draft when I was picking these positions before we go into the top five. I seriously looked at not necessarily what do the Buffalo Sabres need now, but if like, you know, they're my number one team. The Caps are my number two team, speaking of Tom Wilson. I was looking at looking at this draft. Who would I love to see in a Buffalo Sabres uniform? And that's how I do these redrafts. Who would I love to see as a Buffalo Sabre? And that's, you know, I'm, I'm sure you do the same thing as a Senators fan. Like, man, we could have had this guy, number one, number two, number three. Like, I could pick these players for my team. Who would I pick? And that's really how I draft. I don't draft per the team because I don't think it's – unless you're really close to just fitting a specific niche and you just, you're, you're, I don't know if, if you're picking super high in the draft, you're probably not a good team. What I look for is like, you're looking for the, in my opinion, the best available player that you've assessed, not what the, you know, the analytics and everyone else is talking about and what these media guys are like, Oh, this is my top 10. You're looking at these are what we scouted. These are our list right here. I'm picking the best available player because you never know what your team's going to need down the road. And picking for what your team needs immediately now, I just don't. I mean, maybe that's not why I'm in, you know, an NHL GM. I just don't think it's the best decision. You pick the best available. Obviously, you have the whole long-term plan. You know how many right wingers, left wingers, centers, defenders, goalies you have, and you're trying to fill specific needs. You pick for that. In this realm, we're not looking back at the 2012 Pittsburgh Penguins and trying to fill out what they needed at that time. We're looking now where these guys have come. And that's kind of like if I could get these guys on the Buffalo Sabres or the Capitals now, that's exactly what I do. That's a long-winded way of saying we're in the top five. Who did the Toronto Maple Leafs pick with their top five pick in the 2012 NHL entry draft? Who do you got? So for me, I've got a guy who played 500, who's played 585 games put up 387 points in only 192 penalty minutes, and that's Thomas Hurdle. Um, mm. I think Hurdle at 17 was a steal for the Sharks. Um, though I think this guy gets enough credit for how good he is. He's playing on a Sharks team who's not 
let me just say, let me be friendly, who's not great right now, um, who hasn't been great for a couple years. And this guy just continues to be a star and to excel. Uh, put him on a team like Toronto, wow, that's scary. Um, really put him on any team, it's scary that, that you know that kind of can surround him with some talent. So for me, I got Thomas Hurdle here at five, and I think that would actually still be a very maybe even a steal, but to me, four to one is, is a pretty good draft class. I would 100% pick him at number five if he would have survived on my list that long. Uh, he, he goes a little bit higher on mine. For mine, I have the Toronto Maple Leafs picking up defender Jacob Truba. I think Truba is an amazing defender, and you're going to see me crushing on some defenders in the top five. But this was a really good draft for defensemen. Man, you seriously look at the defensemen in this draft. A lot of these guys were actually incredible. And Jacob Truba, in my opinion, not the best in this draft, but top three for sure. Uh, I think he's an excellent talent. He would have been a steal there. Instead of going ninth, Toronto should have picked him up at fifth. Now, I say that because the guy they originally picked in my draft wasn't yet available either. But at number four, the New York Islanders picked up Griffin Reinhardt. Who do you have the Islanders picking up? So for me, I actually this guy jumps the spot from the where he originally got picked at five, and it's actually Morgan Riley. Um, I think Morgan Riley again is, if you're a Leaf fan, of course you know who Morgan Riley is, and I've been talked in it into one ear and out the other about Morgan Riley. But and I'm going to interrupt you play, real quick. I'm going to yep. interrupt you because me and you both have Morgan Riley at number four, so I'm I'm down for everything you're saying because Morgan Riley, if like the fact that he didn't go fourth. Obviously, the Islanders lost out. Um, the Maple Leafs stole him at fifth, seriously. Oh, absolutely. I mean, in 654 games, he's got 371 penalty minutes, only, or sorry, 373 points and only 181 penalty minutes. But for me, the, the, the stat that blows my mind, as a defenseman, in 39 playoff games, he's got 25 points. Like, that's... That's ridiculous. I mean, he's only got 25 penalty minutes in those 39 games. As a defender, sometimes it's hard, to, you know, to not take a penalty. You know, you're you're kind of reaching around trying to get pucks, and you get caught for a hold or a hook or whatever. Um, I think Morgan Riley's carved out a very good uh, career. I think he's still got a long way to go to, to to before he calls it a day. So there's gonna be much more to come from Morgan Riley. But yeah, I think at four, I mean, I honestly think he can even win higher. But to me, he just falls to four with kind of the talents ahead of him. I mean, we definitely have different names because there's two names you've already named that are in my top three. So I'm very curious to see who you have in your top three. But I agree with you. At number four, I think Morgan Riley is a good fit. At number three, the Montreal Canadiens selected Alex Gachenyuk. Dude, who do you have instead? Who should have Montreal gone after? Now, for me, I went back and forth. If if two would be available here, if not, I don't think two would have been available with the team that was picking ahead. Um, so I'm still going to go with best player available. So I completely understand that the Habs had someone in this position. They wouldn't have drafted him. But again, best position available uh, or best player available at three. I'm going with Hellbuck. Um, yes, again, perfect world. That's not going to happen. Uh, but that being said, um, I, I think if I'm just going pure talent alone, yeah. They would have drafted Hellbuck, and I mean, right now, um, no offense, Carey Price, he's carried that team for long enough, and they're not able to carry him now. Uh, it, it wouldn't look so stupid now. No, 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 it would look amazing right now. So. For me, that, that's where I have. I mean, my number two, which we'll talk about here shortly, um, could have been flip-flopped, but I think that the team that's drafting two would have taken this player, and I think they would have thought it was best talent available as well. 
Yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, I think he's definitely up there. Um, again, I have him at seventh, so third is not a stretch. Uh, he's an unbelievable goaltender and a complete steal, considering he went fifth round. And you think about him and guys like Lundqvist who went seventh round. Goalies develop very differently, and it's very rare to find a Marc-Andre Fleury. It's just they don't come around every decade. <laughs> they really don't. Or maybe maybe they do just once a decade, and I think that's Marc-Andre Fleury. It's just rare to find goalies develop at their own, like, I don't know, like right now the Buffalo Sabres, I don't know where we stand with Ukapeka Lukanen. I don't know where that's going, but we've got Anderson in net. And we've got Malcolm Subban in net, and we've signed Eric Comrie. And I think that sure right there, there's going to be a three-way battle for those two positions. And at the end of the day, none of it really matters because I think it's going to be the Carlton Place kid, Devin Levi, that's going to be taking the net next year, 23-24. And I think that's what the Buffalo Sabres are anticipating. I think they're anticipating Subban and Anderson are excellent goalies. I actually love both of them. I've actually owned both of their their jerseys. I have the Golden Knights Subban jersey until I sold it to my buddy because he just kept begging for it. And I have the Anderson Colorado Avalanche jersey. I love both these guys. And Eric Comrie, you know, he's he's a good young talent. Uh, and we signed him for a couple years, I think, at 1.8, 1.85 million. I think that's a smart move because when Devin Levi comes up there, I don't think he's going to be ready to start, but he's going to be ready to watch a guy who has started. And I think it's it's going to be interesting to see how the Buffalo Sabres net plays out for the next couple of years. But I see the 23-24 Buffalo Sabres being Eric Comrie as a starter with Devin Levi threatening to steal the position. And I think that's what the Sabres want. Um, and you, you see guys like Halibut. Halibut probably already been threatening price and net if i'm not incorrect at this point if, if montreal had drafted him would price still be a montreal canadian or would they've moved on to halibut or would they've done a move where price was their main guy and halibut would have been traded yeah absolutely i think to me i think when if you look at when halibut kind of broke in i i think it would have been one of those positions where you've got a young guy pushing a guy who's hot right now like a, a guy like price and I think either or, they, I think they probably would end up keeping Price. I think at this point they've already signed a big contract. or No, they're close to it anyways. But I, I think Price was their guy at this point. I think they would have, you know, in a perfect world, they would have drafted Hellebuck. He would have continued his progression like he did, like, you know, with the Jets. And then basically got to there, and they would have had a, an amazing trade piece. Which at the end of the day, I mean, if you pick the best player available, and you end up getting a guy like, say, for example, you've got a number one center, and a guy who's a number one center and doesn't want to be a number two, well, you can trade a, get a lot for that number one center. So sure, yeah, you pick number three, but you might be getting three first round draft picks back or something. Like, it depends on who, who, how bad wants this yeah. player. But you know, like sometimes you see guys who make draft picks, and and they're great draft picks, and they'd be great on any team. But by the time they kind of develop, they're a better fit for another team, and that team's willing to pay you a king's ransom for that player. So sometimes drafting is kind of a, a strategy move like that. Do I honestly think at three Canadians would have won with a goalie when they had Price? Absolutely not. But again, yeah. I'm going best player available. And for me at number three, that was Hellebuck, hands down. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. I think all that, really, I mean, I think that's how teams need to draft. But again, I'm not a GM making millions of dollars here to make these decisions. So I can just, you know, armchair it. But at number two, the Columbus Blue Jackets selected Ryan Murray. Who would you pick at number two? So for me at number two, I would have went with what I think is is an amazing offensive player. He's got 469 points, 220 goals, 249 assists, and 566 games. And that's 
Um, Philip Forsberg, who was drafted by the Capitals. Ouch. Capitals, that hurts. Yeah. Why, why did you do that? Oh, can, anyway, can I say something about that trade yeah, one yeah. week? Go ahead. Let's talk about that It was um, the Predators guy, the older guy. Um, What's his name? Oh, my God. I can see his face because he had, like, the weird-looking kind of mullet without being a mullet. But we made a trade because I was there when we, we traded Forsberg and we picked up the older guy from Nashville. And I'm sorry, guys, I can't remember his name. <laughs> but and it was, it was another piece like we picked up a couple pieces for for Forsberg. And I'm like, we were excited about this guy, like seriously excited. I was in D.C. for the 2012 draft when we picked up Forsberg. We we're very excited about this guy. And then to see him traded after that, Etam. Uh, it was Etam. It was Etam, right? Was- yeah, so it's Martin Erat and Michael Lada. And Martin Erat. Okay, Martin Erat. Um, yeah, so that has not aged well, and it didn't age well at the time in the Capitals fan base. I'm sorry. The Capitals fan base was like, what? It it, it, it didn't make sense. And we had a friend in D.C., long story short, he was from Paris, but he went to college in Nashville. So he was a French guy that was a Predators fan, and he he was like – totally down for this trade he's like i i will miss erat but that's a great trade for us and i'm like and, and me and my other buddies like oh, of course one of those buddies being ben who's on this podcast he's one of our co-hosts how this trade happened like it doesn't make sense like forsberg is going to be an amazing talent and we traded him for this older what, what was erat like a right winger yeah i think so he was definitely yeah. a winger I, the trade didn't make sense to me at the time when when it happened. I don't know. It was like 2013, 2014. It didn't make sense, man. It, well, let, let me just not – without rubbing salt in the wound. Do it. The, the lowest point total since okay, – I'm going to go with 2016 because I think that was kind of his breakout year. I mean, 2014, 15, he still put up 63 points, 26 goals. Um, but the lowest point total Thanks, he's man. put up since then has yeah. been 32, and that was in a 39-game season. Um, which was obviously the COVID season. So, I mean, the point totals for this guy has been, you know, 63, 64, 58, 64, 50, 48, 32, and 84 this last season. You know, Martin Erat and, and all. It was you for had, the You had to know he was – I, oh, I, I completely understand. But, I, I mean, his that. last year in Lexan on his draft year, so playing pro hockey in Sweden, 38 games, he put up 33 points, 15 goals, 18 assists. You had to know this guy was going to be a stud. And I get you're making a playoff run, but this is where, like, for me, I don't know how good of a NHL GM might be because I'm not really willing to trade a hot prospect who we just drafted for one guy, really, who I think is going to really help us make a playoff run. That guy better be like a Sidney Crosby or, uh, you know, Ovechkin on their last year and they want to go win one more cup. It better be a guy like that and not a guy like Strata and, and and I forget the other person's name. Um, but you're at, that's it. Like for me, it's just kind of, those weren't the players to trade a guy like this. And don't get me wrong. I mean, you don't have Chris ball. You can't see how good Forrester is going to be, but Hey, he's from Sweden. His last name is Forsberg. You should have known it. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I remember watching the tapes cause we're all watching. We're all watching this kid's like highlights. And I'm like, this kid's going to be incredible. He's going to fit into the capitals organization within like two to three years, like max. Oh, what can you do? Whatever. I, at the end of the day, we made the trade we made. I think if I was the Columbus Blue Jackets, I would have selected Thomas Hurdle at second. In my opinion, the best forward in this draft. I like Forsberg. I do. He's the second best 
forward in this draft. But Hurdle, you got to edge these guys out at one point, right? Like for me, Dumba, Riley, Truba were like the top three. And you're looking at forwards. I'm looking at like Hurdle, Forsberg, and Taravainen. Like they're kind of the guys in this draft that really stood out to me as forwards and defense. I think Thomas Hurdle definitely should have been drafted by Columbus instead of going all the way down to 17th. But what can you do? I will say this before we even get to number one. I think we both know who number one is. I think everyone in the NHL hockey type of world could know 100% who number one should have been instead of 19th. But I'll give you the pleasure. Say his name because we all know it. So are we ready for this? Do it. Okay. So with the number one overall pick, the Edmonton Oilers are ecstatic to select Eric Carlson. No, I'm, I'm just kidding. That I was going to be like, bro, yeah. hold on. First of all, I will, I will I'll caveat this by saying we could be saying right now the Stanley Cup. I know they've got a bunch in the past, but who cares about those? I was too young to, to know any of them. You know, they had some great players. Apparently people like Gretzky, Mezier, Fear. Who, who are these guys, right? But they could be current Stanley Cup, like in the last – five to six to seven years Stanley Cup champions had they selected at number one say it Vasilevsky yeah but before I go into this people are like Eric Carlson what the heck no listen when I was going through this entire I went through this draft from round one to seven every pick and I saw the name Eric Carlson between beside I picked that number 99 by the Hurricanes I was like what the hell so I clicked on it and yes, it was an Eric Carlson. It was like the Elias Peterson that just happened this year. Same spelling, same everything, uh, same country. It just kind of gave me a laugh that Eric Carlson went over 99th overall, and I just had to throw that joke in there. Um, shout out to all the Sharks fans out there. Thank you. But yeah, no, Vasilevsky. Um, <laughs> hands down. There's a rumor or a true story I, that neither side really came out and confirmed it, that Otto was actually going to pick you know, Vasilevsky at 15 originally. He missed out on a meeting with them because he went to a water park the day before, got sunburned, and just couldn't make any of his meetings. Which, after an NHL, if you're if you're an NHL prospect, just go to your meetings. Oh my god, that's probably one of the most important things. But anyways, that doesn't hurt me at all. That Vasilevsky could have been a senator, um, even if that is a rumor. It doesn't hurt me whatsoever. Um, I didn't cry. I'm not crying. I'm not triggered. Um, but number one, Vasilevsky um, has changed goaltending. Just a monster of a man. Just consistent, like hate. You can tell he hates to lose because I mean, before these playoffs, he's kind of had a couple back-to-back losses. Before these playoffs, he had never had a back-to-back loss in the playoffs. If he lost the game, he literally either shut you out or literally dominated you uh, the following game. Just an absolutely an absolute battler, and you never hear his teammates have anything bad whatsoever. Not the NHL teammates, but like you know, if a guy moves on, he might say you know he's an interesting player or he's an interesting person or whatever. But like everyone loves Vasilevsky. Um, and Edmonton Oilers fans, I think you would love Vasilevsky too. I will just say this. But there's 17 losers. Actually, I guess 18 losers in this situation. No, 17 losers. And number one, Edmonton. They could have had him. Columbus, Montreal, the Islanders, Toronto, Anaheim, Minnesota, Pittsburgh, Winnipeg, Tampa Bay, Washington, Buffalo times two because we had the 12th and 14th pick. Dallas, Ottawa. Washington, San Jose, and Chicago all passed up on Vasilevsky. Now, we have the awesome ability to use hindsight in this situation, but we're a podcast. We can use whatever we want. And there are straight up 18 – well, I guess 17 because, again, Buffalo had two picks – 17 losers in this draft that didn't pick up Vasilevsky. Seriously. 
Yeah, and honestly, like, just to rub some salt and some, some other people, Vasilevsky also had more points than some of these players that got drafted that never played. He's at 16 assists. But let's just go into some crazy numbers here. In 388 NHL games, he has gotten 29 shutouts. Average goals against average is 2.50. That is insane. He's got 243 wins, 108 losses, and 26 ties. I'm not sure. I think I think that this... Um, it's hockey DB. I think they're considering when you go into overtime a tie before the win. Um, yeah. I'm not sure how they do that, but anyways, two point two point five zero goals against average in 388 games. Take them. It's it's hindsight's a beautiful beautiful thing. Like Yakupov was being absolutely elevated in this draft, which he 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 seemed like the real deal. Like seriously, seemed like the real deal. And then you listen to guys like Brian Burke after the fact that said he was the worst ever in his entire professional career he was the worst ever interview he had with the player i don't know man tampa bay just does it right and do you see that happening in detroit now is it an eiserman effect like eiserman wasn't there at that point of course but do you just feel like certain teams just really have a solid 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 grasp on what their team needs for the future while other teams are just floundering out in the wilderness hoping to like throw a dart and land a bullseye you know what and yes eisman effect is a thing but also i I look at like joe sackick and i and i think that leaders that have played in the nhl before so guys been a captain for many years eisman sackick guys like that first i think they just kind of bond better with the players and understand what their team needs and have a better understanding of these players like i know there was that joke where well, Kirby Doc, for example, who was drafted before, you know, Eisman had a chance to draft him, was in an interview with, and I think it was, I think he had switched to Detroit at this point. Don't get me wrong, he could have been in Tampa. I think he had been switched to Detroit, anyways. So he asked Kirby Doc, and he goes, "Hey, so you smoke weed, eh?" And Kirby Doc was like, "No." And he said, "No, no, I, like I know you do, just admit it." And he's like, "No, I, like I don't." And he's like, "No, like I know, like just tell me." And Kirby Doc was like, "No," like, and he's like, "What am I doing here?" Like this guy's like telling me I do it. And then Eisman just like laughs because I just came in. It's all good. And it was just kind of like, and it was just kind of like Kirby Doc was like, I, I kind of like laughed and then got comfortable after that. I was like, I was like, this guy's not here to keep everything super captain serious. Like, yeah, he's serious and this is a serious matter, but he wants to have fun, wants to know who I am. And that's kind of yeah. how he opened it up. And it was kind of like a weird, like, what are you doing, Eisman? But then Kirby Doc said after basically like, you know, it was just like a comfortable thing afterwards. It was just kind of like, you know, he was just kind of getting to know, you know, the basically they call it quote unquote vibe check on, on Kirby Doc. And it's kind of, I don't know if it's because they have a better relationship with their team and kind of their players and kind of understand what they go through day to day. And then they kind of bring in guys that kind of will fit that mold, even though they may have, you know, a bad interview. They say, you know, well, this player fit really well. And I think we'll, you know, mesh well with their decor, have a really good relationship with their D coach or whatever. And it just seemed to step up to the plate, hit a home run, go sit down, wait till the next, you know, their next pick, step back up, step to the plate, hit another home run. I said, I'd love to see the stats on guys that both those GMs have drafted and, and kind of where they are now. If I would say if, if not 50% of them are on the way to the NHL or in the NHL, I'll be shocked because they just seem to hit a home run every time they step up. Yeah, it's it's incredible to see what these, I don't know, hockey minds is all I can really call them, right? Like they just, they grew up in the game, but they understand the game at such a higher level that they can just identify what I mean, it's 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 a gift. It really is just a gift. What what they're able to accomplish, not only when they were on the ice, but what they're able to accomplish now is like 
general managers because being a GM is not an easy job. I like calling them out a lot because that's what's fun to do, right? They're getting paid millions. We don't make anything. Uh, so that's our job to call them out for all that money they're making. They're screwing up. So when they when they do so well, like some of these GMs do, like a Sackick and an Iserman, it's it's a beautiful thing to watch as a hockey fan because you know somebody really really understands the game at every level. I don't know if it's a an instinct or whatever, but I mean they're nailing it. And I think you know Vassy at 19 for for Iserman, I think it, it was Jape at the time, um, absolute steal. But yeah, I mean, for me, that that's my that's my top 15. Uh, I went best player available. I didn't really look at you know who was best for that team, and I think no matter who you picked in that top 15, you probably even pushed it to maybe 16, 17 guys who were kind of the elite guys in that draft. I don't think you really could have went wrong. No, I, I agree with you there. There was uh, I, we had a lot of repeat names. We had a couple different names in there, but uh, all in all, I think with the 2012 NHL draft, it's pretty recognizable who. At this point, with the luxury of hindsight, who should have gone? And I do like these episodes. I will say, before we do the wrap-up thing, we hit 8,000 downloads this week. So thank you, listeners. That's a big accomplishment again for us. We just keep getting you all in here. It's it Actually, weirdly enough, it's been a pretty slow summer. But again, so was last summer. Summers aren't the greatest time goes into a hockey podcast, apparently. But um, we still managed to hit 8,000 this summer and this week, so to speak. And we really do want to thank all of you listeners out here because if it wasn't for you listening, honestly, I think me and you would still be talking, Sebastian. But we do appreciate that you guys are actually listening and that, uh, you know, you're definitely telling people about us. And uh, we appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, like you said, season two is not even done yet. And, you know, we're, we're at 8,000. So it's uh, it, it's it's definitely special. I mean, it's it's... We appreciate it. I mean, that's I can't really think of any other word, but appreciate you guys taking your time and listening to us. And I know we don't talk for hours and hours, but sometimes we we go on and I'm sure you guys are like, wow, these two dummies need to to move (laughs) on. But we appreciate it. And the biggest thing is, is as we grow, we still love, you know, uh, listener feedback, listener advice on you know teams or, or just jerseys whatever you know what we like at this point if you've listened to more than three episodes it's, it's pretty obvious we talk about it all the time let us know like if there's a jersey if there's a team if there's a player if there's someone we should be interview because they're doing great things in hockey let us know i mean that we we've we've continued to to build and and chris has just been putting in crazy work to make it you know continuously grow uh, but at the same time we also can't do it without the listeners so thank you we appreciate you and keep helping i mean it's it's again i'm kind of losing words because it's kind of like it's crazy that's it's been you know eight thousand so quickly but we love the feedback and don't stop yeah it has been eight thousand so quickly and we do love the feedback and there's a lot of you parents and and coaches and such out there and, and players that you guys listen provide feedback and we can't we seriously can't we can't watch every junior hockey and there's so many amazing leagues out there between the United States and Canada alone. And I will be watching a lot of junior hockey here in Scandinavia. So we need you guys to stepping into season three, which is going to start, you know, a month and a half early this year, instead of starting mid October, we're going to start season three in the beginning of September, because really that's when the junior hockey world seriously for the actual games account really kicks off. And so we're going to start season three uh, right out the gate in September. And, if your son or daughter or whoever, if one of your kids on your team 
makes a great save or scores a great goal, there's thousands of games a week. I watch maybe a dozen. And I watch very specific teams. You know, if you've reached out and you're a coach or a, you know, a play-by-play announcer or a player on a team, I'm watching that team basically throughout the season. I want to see what happens with that team. I get to know the team well. If you're not one of the teams we watch, show us your highlights. Reach out to us. We'd love to have you on the podcast. We'll watch you a little bit more. We want to be reached out to. We want to have you on the podcast. We want to learn about your program. We want to learn about your players. We want to learn about what makes your team move what makes your team win and succeed and that's what we want to hear on this podcast we want to hear what makes your team different and even if it isn't a necessarily winning team what makes your team develop players that move on to the next level because that's really what junior hockey is all about contact us don't be shy reach out we will put you on this podcast we will chat but we do appreciate the eight thousand downloads so far and all of you listeners that said, we want to thank all of you listeners for tuning in, so be sure to follow us on Twitter at PHHOfficial to let us know what you think, and also be sure to comment and share any upcoming games or hockey news we should cover in a future podcast. This is the Pigeon Hockey Podcast with Christian Sebastian. As always, thanks for listening. And remember, listeners, always clear your crease.